Hi, this is the Mentoring Lab Podcast, where we create a work BFF mentoring movement, one episode at a time. Here are your hosts, Sarah and Kelly. Hello and welcome, Mentoring Lab Tribe. I'm Sarah. And I'm Kelly. All right, Kelly, we're ready for it. How are you today? I'm fabulous, Sarah. <laughs> oh, and why are you so fabulous today? You did have something very positive happen to you earlier today. Are you talking about my trip to Six Flags to get my vaccine? Yay! <laughs> I did. I did. I um, got up early this morning and I went to the mass vaccination location and followed the weaving in and out through the lines and I got my first shot. So yeah, and I'm feeling good. No pain, no side effects as of now. And a few weeks, we'll check back and see how shot number two goes. So exciting. Um, I'm so happy that they finally opened um, in the state that we live in, that they opened the vaccination age, um, made it lower and opened it up to more people. So I'm on a couple of lists. So fingers crossed in the next week or two, hopefully I'll get an email saying, hey, you, you know, are you ready? Um, and then I will hopefully be there right there with you. So that's exciting. And I don't think they ask you if you're ready. They just say, <laughs> okay. your date and time is, show up. <laughs> That'll work for me too. I don't need to be wine and dine. They could just shoot me a date and time and I'll, and I'll be there. Yeah, sounds good. All right. So before we get into the episode, um, it's been a couple of weeks because we don't do our toast with guests. But it is time for our weekly toast, our Whiskey Wednesday, where we each share our win or our loss or a lesson learned from the past week or so. Um, I will not be doing whiskey today. I'm still doing a challenge. Um, so I will be doing my green shot. But if you'd like to kick us off, um, Kelly, which uh, with what has been a win for you in the past week or two and what has been a loss or a lesson learned. All right, Sarah. So I'm super excited to talk about my win which is um, I had the opportunity to speak live to one of the entrepreneurs that I follow. You know, I follow um, several of them. And one of them, um, this particular one is Suzanne Evans. And I have been following her for several years because what was appealing to me is she went from secretary to six figure and is now a very successful multi-million dollar entrepreneur. And I just, I like her pizzazz. I like how she just cuts to the chase, no fluff, just real right at you kind of information. And I got a notice that she was going live on Facebook. So I clicked it, you know, and but I wasn't sure if it was a really real live or if it was, you know, um, one where you think that you're live and you're just in the audience. But anyway, so it was live and she spoke and she says, Hey, this is a Q and a, she says, this is for you. The people that are on the call that are listening, you got any questions, raise your hand. So I tried it and it, um, unmuted and my hand went up and it didn't show my name. So she's like, iPhone, iPhone, <laughs> whoever iPhone is, you're up. So I was like, hi, this is Kelly. How are you? And, you know, was able to ask my question to her and have a conversation and get some real feedback from her that um, I appreciated. And I'm going to be taking a three-day workshop with her later this month because um, I think I shared with you, Sarah, that I've taken several of her workshops previously, but I, I knew I need what she has, but I hadn't pinpointed on what I was going to use it for. And now I know what I'm called to do and I can, with greater focus, leverage what she has to share with me to make the best use out of it. So I'm really looking forward to nice. it. Nice. 
And then my, yeah, I'm super excited. So I'll, I'll keep you posted on that. And my lesson learned was um, speaking up when um, you know, you know your stuff, right? And um, there is a situation where we had an event planned and someone spoke up and kind of derailed the direction and um, things didn't go quite the way they should have. And um, my lesson learned was my gut, my instinct knew, and um, I should have spoke up or had someone on my team speak up and say, no, it's absolutely imperative that we do this, even though the other people had kind of um, discouraged it. So the lesson learned is, you know what you know, be confident about what you know, and don't let anyone shake that. Even if they push really hard, push back equally as hard because you're the expert and you know what you know, and you know what's essential. And um, so that's my lesson learned is, is don't always let someone who may be senior or um, seem a little bit more authoritative derail something that you're, like I said, I'm the expert, I knew, and um, let it get a little derailed. So Fortunately, it wasn't too catastrophic, so it's all recoverable. So that's my lesson nice. learned. I just want to say amen and respect my thoughts. <laughs> when I say we're going to do something, <laughs> no, I love that because I think that's something um, we all struggle with from time to time. Yep, we're, we we know our stuff. We are the SME in that area. And then someone comes along and kind of hijacks it a little bit and says, hey, why don't we do it this way? And you're like, oh, but yeah, I've been there. So um, wonderful lesson learned. And I'm glad that it didn't derail it. But yes, something we could all take to heart and do better by. So my win, um, I would have to say for this last week is I completed my first 30 days of a 75 day hard challenge. So thank Woo-hoo, you. Congrats. <laughs> Let's go. That's hard. I have 45 more days, I think. Almost 45 more days. I think I'm just rounding out about 30 days. So, been doing pretty good with that. Um, Working out twice a day. Um, You know, just, I don't want to say strict diet, but just eating very healthy and doing some other things every single day. It's definitely, every day has been a lesson learned for me, but I'm very proud of myself. Um, I have lost some weight. I will share that later. But I guess a lesson learned for me is I have been learning a lot about myself over the last 30 days and how far I can push myself. Um, And I'm very happy where I'm at 30 days later, but I also know I could have worked harder and did things differently. And I definitely plan to do that in the next 30 days. So I, you know, I'm very happy where I'm at in terms of just feeling better, looking better. And I know it's, it doesn't always have to equivalent to pounds on the scale, but I know I could have done better and maybe possibly had double the number um, if I would have just worked a little harder at it. So that is what I have learned about myself, not only in the last week, but in the last 30 days. So let's do it. Let's get this shot. Again, I will be having my shot of green juice. I will be joining you again in about 45 day-ish time frame, and I will be drinking all the bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> and I look forward to you joining me in our whiskey yes. shot. So um, are you ready? ready? All right. Here's to our wins. Here's to our losses. Here's to one day being our own bosses. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Woo! Oh my goodness, that one was one I have not had before. That was the Crown Royal Black. Oh, Ooh. Crown Royal. That oh that that was stiff. Is that the right <laughs> word? So I'm gonna chase it with a little bit of Coca-Cola because um 
that one I was like, ooh. Actually, Crown and, and Coke are a good uh, mix together. So can- yeah. So I could have mixed it, but then, yeah. you know, we're doing our yeah, straight shots shot as, we, um, as we explore this whiskey um, experience. And I have to say that I um, – it's been fun. It's been great because it's not something, like I said, that we normally, we're not whiskey drinkers. So having a little ounce, one little ounce shot, trying different flavors. I had no mm-hmm. idea there was all these different flavors. So, and it's just a little, so I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this part of our journey. Oh, I am. I, I think I mentioned it before. Like we have a very nice uh, whiskey collection downstairs in our bar. Now um, we just not, haven't been able to partake in the last 30 days. So, but again, we'll be there soon. I'm totally enjoying it too. And, and just trying something new um, and different and being a little bit more sophisticated. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So what are we talking about today in our mentoring discussion? Oh, Sarah, we have a super fun topic today. The topic today is boogers, boobs, and barn doors. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, yes. So we're going to be talking about ruinous empathy and how that relates to boogers, boobs, and barn doors. And we'll get to that in just a second. All right, so the topic is ruinous empathy. And um, ironically enough, This is a topic we have been wanting to talk about for a while, but um, most recently, and just in the last 24 hours, a thing that's been popping up on my feed, especially on LinkedIn, is the art of kind candor. And I thought, hmm, that's kind of ironic, um, especially since we're talking about ruinous empathy today. And ruinous empathy is really coming from uh, the book Radical Candor. It was published around 2017 by Kim Scott. And Radical Candor is all about challenging directly and caring personally. So it's really centered on feedback that's kind and clear and specific and sincere. So I think people are taking the art of Radical Candor and Ruinous Empathy is one of the four quadrants of that. And then they're coming up with this kind candor. So what do you think of, Kelly, when um, when someone says we should speak with kind candor? What, what comes to mind for you? Well, I don't think it'll be surprising that um, I say, you know, always come from a good uh-huh. place, a helping, um, trying to guide someone and and not be hurtful, you know, try and tell them something in a nice way, but be direct. Don't beat around the bush. Don't sugarcoat mm-hmm. it. Just, you know, say it, but say it nicely. And there is a way to do that. Exactly. So before we get into the ruinous empathy part really quickly. So again, this is Radical Candor, a book by Kim Scott. And there's four quadrants of feedback in her book that she centers on. So there's the radical candor part, the obnoxious aggression, the manipulative insincerity, and then the ruinous empathy, which we're going to focus on today for our show. But really quickly, just to give you a rundown of each of this, I already mentioned that her whole premise of it, the radical candor, is about challenging directly, but caring personally. So coming from a good place. So giving clear and kind feedback and being specific with it and sincere. So um, for those listening, do know that the book, she, the audience she's really talking to is like a management leadership, like giving feedback um, to, I hate the word subordinate. So I'll just say your colleagues, your team members, but like Kelly and I discussed anyone could take information from this book and it's relatable into everyday things, especially if you're like me, who is the queen of sugarcoating it. 
um, just being relatable and being able to give more feedback that is kind and clear and honest and direct. So the obnoxious aggression is the criticizer. It's basically you don't care how your words come out and you're not really taking time to show that you care about the person. So basically you're an asshole. And um, <laughs> and if you listen to some of Kim Scott's um, talks, she initially said she was going to name this quadrant, not the obnoxious aggression, but the asshole quadrant. But then she found people were actually writing names in it and kind of using it as a personality task. I was like, no, 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 that's not the whole idea. So anyways, yeah. So this is when you're just being an asshole. Um, then there's the man- manipulative, excuse me, and sincerity where you, you just don't really care about the person. You don't care about people in general. So you don't really care enough to challenge them. And your focus is more on being liked and gaining advantage, like in the um, uh, political arena, so to speak, within your organization, your company. And you do this a lot by being fake. You're not being a genuine person. So that's what that is. Um, and then there's the ruinous empathy, which she says 75% of most of us fall into. And like I joked with Kelly, I was like, I am the queen of this quadrant, which I think most of us are probably kings or queens of it. Um, since she's saying 75% of us fall into the most common mistake um, is when we're giving feedback is we care, but we don't challenge um, because we're allowing whatever we want to say um, to be hijacked by the emotions or feelings of the person, the receiver. So we're diluting the message, we're diluting the feedback we're giving, or we just don't say anything at all. Um, We're being way too nice because we're trying to spare people's feelings. Um, If you're like me, you actually struggle with giving feedback. And um, like Kelly mentioned, you sugarcoat it. So in the end, you're just really diluting it and you're really undermining any feedback that um, would be valuable, valuable, excuse me, to the person. So Sarah, can you give me an example or do you want me to give you an example? I mean, one comes to mind right away is um, I saw a Tostitos commercial, right? And this is the guy, there's th- uh, three people, two colleagues, you know, on either side of the guy and the guy sticks a chip in the salsa and the salsa drips on his shirt. And they're both looking at each other like, should I tell him? Should we tell him? And it's like, no, you tell him. No, you tell him. Right. And while they're going back and forth with their mental thoughts of who should tell him because they don't want to embarrass him, he turns to the female and says, you got lipstick on your teeth. So <laughs> he just outright instead of, you know, it's kind of like that spinach in yes. the teeth, you know, the the booger hanging out of your nose <laughs> to, you know, you lean over for a, um, a Zoom call because you're trying yes. to see what's on the laptop screen. And you don't realize you're flashing your cleavage. So those type of like embarrassing type situations that you don't know are happening, but people are observing and they're embarrassed to say, you need to wipe your nose or you got lipstick on your teeth or, you know, um, unfortunately the women who have walked out of the restroom with their dress tucked in their pantyhose or the man with the toilet paper on the shoe. So those type of embarrassing like situations are the barn door, the, the flies down. I told you yeah, I struggled <laughs> to tell people because when I, in my much younger days, um, when I would tell like friends, for example, hey, your fly's down. They'd be like, why are you looking there? So then it's like, it's conditioned <laughs> me as I got older to be like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed for them. Should I say something? Should I not? And I'm like, I'm just going to let it go. Um, someone's going to, someone's going to tell them. So yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I think putting myself in the situation, please tell me, 
You know what I mean? Don't let me walk around with my, um, would you call them granny panties or (laughs) don't let me walk around like that. (laughs) So a couple years ago, I was taking the train back um, from DC. I was down there for shocker training class and I got off the train and I was walking. Um, Everyone's hurriedly walking to their, you know, their cars like a herd of cattle. And I saw this lady ahead of me and she was walking along and she had her entire dress tucked into the back of her pantyhose and her underwear. And I looked around and I was just like, there had to be like 50 people around. And I'm like, oh my God, did this happen on the train when she went to the bathroom? Did it happen before she got onto the train down in DC? My mind just really quickly. So I came up behind her quickly and swiftly, didn't even think twice about it. And and I didn't want to scare her or creep her out, but I just gently said to her in a soft voice, I said, hi, I'm standing behind you really closely. I just want to let you know that your, your dress is tucked into your pantyhose. And she was like, oh, my God. So she just, you know, as I'm walking behind her, providing that additional coverage, she was then able to, you know, to correct her clothing. And she's like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. And I was like, yes, you're welcome. Like, I was like, if that happened to me, I would hope that someone would say the same thing. So it goes back to that radical candor where it may seem silly to some people like, yeah, why wouldn't you tell someone? But my feeling is that probably happened back at the train station an hour to almost two hour ride ago, right? Because we're like one of the very last stops from DC. So I was like, this poor woman probably used the restroom before she got on the train, walked through the entire train station, walked to the train, and that one freaking person said something to her. And it wasn't until we got off where I feel like, well, the damage is already done, right? But no. So I had that radical candor and I was, you know, kind and clear. It's just an example. But the obnoxious aggression, if you fall into that quadrant, is where I would have yelled. Hey, lady, <laughs> your dress is stuck in your pantyhose. <laughs> like that's what, you know, that would have been being an asshole. So I would have been embarrassing her publicly in front of people. And then the manipulative insincerity person, if I was that person where um, I don't really care about the person, I'm not really there to help them, is I could have looked to the person walking to my left or right and like kind of nudged them and like, hey, you see that woman up there? Her dress is tucked in her pantyhose and started laughing about it, right? So that would have been the manipulative insincerity. And then the ruinous empathy, which is the person I struggle with, the personality I struggle most with, but in that situation, I did not, is where I would have been like, oh my gosh, look, that lady has her pantyhose, her dress is tucked in her pantyhose and her underwear, yeah, our granny pants are showing, everything's on display. I really want to see something, but it's probably going to embarrass her. She'll be okay. She's almost to her car. We're walking to her car. She's going to be fine. I'm sure she'll figure it out once she gets in her car. Or maybe someone else will say something to her and just went about my day. So that's just taking an example like that and how they can fall in the the four different quadrants of radical candor. Thank you so much for that. I was going to ask you, can you give me the examples in the different quadrants? So, um, So Sarah, why do you think that people don't do this? Why do they... What holds them back? Is it that they're worried they're going to embarrass them? Is it, you know, because like you went up to a perfect stranger. So is it different when it's someone that you know versus someone that you don't know? Is it easier to tell a stranger, hey, you have spinach in your tooth? Or is it easier to tell someone that you work with, hey, you got spinach in your teeth and you know, I don't want you to walk around like that all day? So I think what it comes down to, like those things, it's easier for me to tell people, um, if there's something physically off about them to let them know, right? Because I don't want them to go around and embarrass themselves. Um, I think my thing is with the feedback and it really boils down to, I don't want to hurt the feelings of others. 
I don't want to discourage them from trying. So instead of me telling them what they need to hear in order to get better, I'm allowing them, I'm already in my mind like, oh, this is going to hurt their feelings and, and letting it hijack whatever message I'm trying to send. So I really think it comes down to hurting feelings. Um, and as I was reading through this material over the last week, I was like, oh, yes, I, I need to work on this. I need to work on that because I find myself doing it in email where instead of just being direct of, hey, um, you didn't do X, Y, or Z. We really need this done because of X, Y, or Z. I typically will start off, which, and I'm coming from an honest place in a caring place because I mean everything I'm saying is, hey, I know you're really busy, but you kind of missed the marks on this, this, and this. I need you to do this. Or sometimes I even take it upon myself to go ahead and do what needed to be done because I'm like, I know you're so busy. So I'm not really helping them. I'm doing it because I, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because what comes to mind is you know, you're walking around thinking that you're a rock star where you're really just an amateur. Or um, an example that we spoke about earlier is if someone's not being truthful with you, if they're not giving ruinous empathy or um, radical candor, if they're not telling you this information, we use the examples of the the spinach in the teeth or the dress in the pants or the toilet paper on the shoe, because those are awkward situations that you're just not sure. Should mm -hmm. I tell them? Shouldn't I tell them? Well, yes, I think you should always tell them. But when it comes to someone's performance, whether it be someone that you work with or someone that works for you, if you're not being can giving them candor, direct um, candor, radical candor, like you said, if you're not telling them that they're not, per, I don't want to say not performing, but they're not as great as they right. think, then that's not only hurting them, it's hurting the team. It's kind of like I have a mindset where I think because everyone keeps telling me how great I am and they're not telling me about my shortfalls, I think I'm ready for the Olympics, but really I'm not even ready for a track right. because someone, you know what I mean? Because no one told me that I wasn't doing as great as I thought, or the rest of the team was picking up the pieces of my shortfalls or, um, um, errors that I was making that people were covering up. So you need someone. And, and I think that a receiver on the conversation, they're going to appreciate it. It, it may sting, at first, because you're like, ow, I thought it was great. And I'm really just, you know, just above mediocre. But if they tell you that, then you can improve upon it. And then you can contribute to your team, how your team needs you to contribute. Because if you're not, then your team is picking up the slack for you and they're getting resentful. And you could even end up getting terminated and not even understand why, because you're walking around thinking, oh, I was great in this particular area or whatever. And you're not. So I would, my feeling is as hard as it may be, you just have to tell people and you have to do it from a good place. And it needs to be communicated that way that I'm coming from a helpful place. I want to help you succeed. So I need to share with you that although you do this really great, if you did it a little, tweaked it a little bit, it would be really awesome. Right. So a couple things came to mind as you were talking. So Kim Scott, um, the, the author of Radical Candor, she actually, if you, if you Google her and look up different stories. She shares this one story, um, and I'd like to share it really here really quickly to give an audience a better idea of radical candor. Um, 
So she shares a story about radical candor, like one of her first like aha moments experiences with it. So long story short, she's was, you know, worked in moved to Silicon Valley, got a job with Google. Prior to that, she worked in New York City, was very successful in what she did. Obviously, she got a job at Google, right? She was um, in a meeting with the Google uh, co-founders and Sheryl Sandberg, who was her um, supervisor, her direct supervisor at the time. And she was providing some information in an area that she was, um, that Kim was responsible for at the time. And she was saying, yep, we've got these numbers, yada, yada, yada. And the, both the co-founders were like, wow, you know, they were really intrigued by the growth in this area that she was leading. Do you need more money? Do you need more resources? What do you need? Engineers, et cetera, da, da, da. So at the end of the meeting, she was just like, wow, I, in her brain, she's like, this meeting went really great. I think I hit a home run. So as they're leaving, Cheryl says to her, hey, come with me to my office. So at first, Kim was like, oh, okay. So she's walking along and she's like, oh, she's probably going to tell me how great I did. I hit it out of the ballpark, yada, yada, yada. So they get in Cheryl's office and Cheryl's like, tells her, yeah, you did great. You, you know, this, this, and this went over, you know, two or three things she did really well. And then she asked her, were you nervous? And Kim was like, you know, kind of threw and was like, nah, I wasn't nervous. And Cheryl was like, Okay, well, did you realize that you said, um, (laughs) and I laugh because I have a habit of doing this too. (laughs) Did you realize that every third word out of your mouth was, um, um, oh my God, I just did it. So, and then (laughs) (laughs) kind of threw her hand up again, was like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's, you know, I think in one of the things she said, it's like a nervous tick, you know, when I talk or whatever, it just happens. It's not a big deal. And just kind of threw her hand up at it. And um, Cheryl was like, okay. And Cheryl was like, well, you know, I know a really good speech coach that could help you with that to stop saying um, when you're presenting and Google would probably pay for it. Is this something you would be interested in? And Kim again threw her hand up and was like, "Um, no, I think I'm good. I, you know, I'm really busy right now, blah, 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 blah. And just went into like these excuses of why she didn't have time for it and felt like she was fine. And in her brain, she's like, I just had a great meeting. They're going to give me more resources. So then Cheryl said, well, every time you do this with your hand, and I guess it was kind of like a throwing up, uh, hand throwing up motion, like, oh, like, you know, whatever. Um, Cheryl's like, every time you do this, I could see that I'm going to have to be more direct with you. And she was like, when you say, um, every third word out of your mouth, you sound stupid. Yes. Wow. And Kim was like, at first she was like, wow. But she said that was the best thing Cheryl could say to her at that time. And Kim got that speech coach. And I've watched four or five, if you want to call it speeches, what have you, presentations online from her. And I did not hear um, one freaking time any of them. So I'm going to venture to say that was a huge success. So you could see at the beginning where Cheryl, you know, was like, hey, you did this, this, and this great. But I noticed you, every third word was um when you talked. Were you nervous? What's going on with you to try to find out more from the person? And then Kim was like, no, I'm good. It's just a thing I do. Not a big deal. Because in her brain, she's been successful so far. That meeting was very successful. So then that's when Cheryl had to be more direct with the radical candor and say, no, I'm going to have to be more direct and you sound stupid. So she's letting her know how she comes across to others. So Kim also goes on to say um, in other uh, presentations that Cheryl had already developed that like caring rapport with her that Kim 
preaches also in radical candor is coming from a place of kindness and caring. And she said, you know, through the way Cheryl had managed her and other colleagues, she does care. So she did know when, when, when Cheryl was being this direct with her, that she was coming from a place of caring to help her to do better. So I really liked that story. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I don't know what I would have said. Um, there, see, I just said, um, again, <laughs> but <laughs> I would have probably been like, wow, and taken back. But I think it's a hard That's truth. That's the sting. That's the sting. But once as quickly she was able to digest it, she's like, you know, you're right. I'm going to take you up on this. And uh, that was a success. And then Kim had another story to say what you were just talking about, where if you never say anything to a colleague or to a team member, they don't know what they don't know. And she had another story about that where they, she kind of, sugarcoated it, um, coddled a team leader for uh, seven or eight months, um, even though he was a direct report. But she had to end up firing him because his work just was not up to par and had not been for a long time. And other people were covering for him. She was getting other team members. So she finally had to have that conversation where she fired him. And his response back was, well, why didn't you ever tell me? I thought you cared about me. I thought this team cared about me. Why didn't you ever tell me? I thought I was doing okay. And that was like um, another aha moment for her. And that actually stung for her to where she was like, oh my God, I, she was doing the ruinous empathy thing with the person and, and, and could have, you know, been giving feedback all along on their shortfalls and, and being honest with them and to help them grow and learn. Yeah, I can see both sides of that, that um, as the giver and the receiver, as a receiver, you know, it's going to sting. But then also as a leader, it would sting to have that situation with someone that's on my team for them to be, for me to have to let them go because they were not performing to the level that um, was expected, but they had no idea because I had not communicated effectively to them. And sometimes it's hard. Um, to have those conversations, but I tend to start with, I have something that you are, I have good news and I have bad news. So we're going to go ahead and get the bad news out of the way for something like that. Uh, you know, I have, and, and I think that people appreciate it when you have those conversations with them, because it, like you said, they don't know what they don't know. And if you have those conversations with them, I would, like I said, it might sting, but I would probably walk away and say, thank you. It, it stung at first because I'm learning something about myself. I didn't realize, but thank you because ultimately you're trying to help me. And I appreciate that. And I have, I have to say, I have had a couple of those instances where, you know, my first reaction is, you know, get out of my business. I'm, you know, don't, don't be in my business. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> But <laughs> but then, you know, I have to look at it as a mentoring moment or a learning opportunity. They're observing something I'm not seeing. And the mere fact that they had the courtesy to come to me and talk to me and say, you might want to try this way is a compliment because they care and they're only trying to help me. So I would walk away with, exactly. you know, thank you. It stung. It stung at first. Cause I didn't like it. Cause you know, I think I'm doing pretty good, but that doesn't mean that anything can't be improved upon. And that's the greatness of having diversity of people. They see things differently. They bring more to the conversation. They bring more to the vision. They bring more to the project. So when they say you might try doing it this way, then I'd be like, okay, you're right. I'm happy to try that. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. So I think it can also affect us like, right, so there's a missed opportunity for development, for learning, but also as leaders, um, we can also be seen as inefficient. So if we're not giving 
that feedback to others, other people pick up on that. Colleagues see that. Other team members see that either within our own teams or across, you know, the teams. And also it can develop a lack of trust. So people pick up and I'm like, wow, if I never see my manager giving someone feedback or trying to help them where I know they could, they desperately need it, then I'm thinking, what are they not telling me? Exactly. Exactly. That's like those behind closed doors conversations we talked about earlier. You don't know what they're saying Mm -hmm. about you. And that's another reason to appreciate when someone does give you feedback that you may not want to hear right off the bat. Look at it as a, a learning opportunity right on. And not only with the lack of trust, but also I think it will make like team members or colleagues hesitant to provide you feedback to tell you the hard truths as well, right? Because if you're never giving the feedback to other people, good and bad, um, or constructive, what you know, whatever you want to call it, if you're not having that that radical candor with them because you're stuck, especially in that ruinous empathy portion. Um, then people are going to be hard-pressed to tell you the truth when you're like, is there anything I can do better to help support you? Oh, no, no, everything's great because you haven't created that safe space or what do they call that? That psych- psychologically psychological safety net right there in the, that's inviting to where you're able to tell other people the hard truths, but you also are welcoming it back to you um, as well. So you you kind of touched on it a little bit when we talked about when you mentioned your opening, when you're going to have those those feedback discussions with someone and you're going to tell them something they might not want to hear, but something that they need to hear. Um, I also want to encourage um, our listeners, if you haven't listened to it or if you did, but it's been a while ago, episode four was about self-awareness and we actually touched a good part on it about feedback, giving it and receiving it. So I encourage people to go back and listen to that for some additional tips. So Kelly, what other than your, I love your opening to where we're going to have a discussion and, and I'm paraphrasing here and I'm going to say some things that are, that might be hard for you. I like that because that already, I feel it kind of helps disarm the situation a little bit because if someone were to say that to me, I'm already in my brain thinking, okay, there's going to be some tough things coming my way. So I'm already mentally trying to prepare for it. And it's also actually for me, it's going to help me become a little less defensive and probably more open to hear what you have to say to me. Right, right. No, exactly. And I can totally relate to that because I think you recall a couple of weeks ago where I had a conversation and I wasn't sure whether I was being criticized or if I was getting mentored. <laughs> and there's a difference. And if you set the conversation up in a way that it's clear how the conversation is going to go or what the intent of the conversation is, like you said, it sets the foundation so the receiver is prepared for what they're going to hear. And something I'll share that I learned in um, marriage counseling many years ago, because you talked about it earlier about worrying about people's feelings. And the biggest thing that I learned is it's my responsibility to deliver the message in a kind way. It's not my responsibility to worry about how people are going to feel. Now, that doesn't mean I can be mean and hurtful. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying if I don't share the truth with someone in a nice way, in a helpful way, then I'm hurting everything all the way around. And um, so that's why I find that you know, if a conversation is hard for me, if I just put it out there right up front, okay, we're going to have a conversation, then it lets the person know I'm being honest 
with you and I'm being truthful and forthcoming and I'm saying it from a kind and helpful way, or at least I'm intending to, that's my intention. And I think that that helps in the long run. I like that because we ultimately, there's very few things in this life we can control, right? We definitely cannot control how other people feel. And I I've worked and I've had some amazing mentors in my life, amazing leaders in my life, and some of them have been so great at giving feedback. But at the end of the day, they can't control how I'm going to react to that. And they could give it to me in the best on a cake, on a silver platter with a bow on it and tell me, you know, all these, they could tell me 10 wonderful things I did and one bad thing I didn't do right. And I'm the type, I'm going to focus on that. I didn't hear those 10 things. I heard that one thing. So they, you can't control how the receiver is going to take the message. All you can control, like you said, where are you coming from? You're coming from a place of kindness, and but you're also you know, being precise with your feedback. You're being honest with your feedback. And those who are giving, who are best at giving feedback are still going to hurt people's feelings. We all take things personally, some more so than others. Um, some more so with our work than others as well. So, but you have to ask yourself and some things I learned from um, some of Kim's uh, online uh, presentations that I was listening to about radical, can- radical candor is some things she said is ask yourself if you're not providing this feedback, is it really enhancing your relationship or is it hurting it? So that's a cue is, uh, you know, and I take it a step farther is not only hurting your relationship with them, but what about the team's relationship as a whole? What about the mission of your company or your organization? Because other colleagues see, and Kim gave a perfect example when she had that colleague, she didn't say to, didn't really say anything about any constructive or any radical candor conversations on feedback with them for eight or nine months, you know, basically was like, oh, you're doing great. Why don't you work with Sarah on this? She could help you with this area and that area and says saying, look, Bob, you need help in these areas. So it in by eight or nine months, she said she had a realization it was hurting her team and she was going to lose some of her best performers because of this. So you have to ask yourself, is it not only the relationship you have with the person, but also your team and mission? And then some um, things that she says, which is easier said than done, is just say it. Don't beat around the bush. Don't sugarcoat it. I can't tell you how many times I struggle with this in my personal life as well. I've had family members just tell me, just say it, Sarah. Like, what are you trying to tell me? You know, and I've had some colleagues, you know, a work BFF actually comes to mind where they have said that to me too, where I'm beating around the bush and they're like, just tell me, what is it you're trying to tell me? And um, so I just... I want to do better and I want our listeners out there to work on this. If you're following, if you're finding yourself being in this ruinous empathy quadrant of giving feedback is just remember to be specific and sincere when you're giving your praise to really mean what you're saying. But also when it's time to get that criticism um, or that feedback, you know, always, always do that privately, never do that publicly, but also make sure that you're being clear and, and that you're kind when you're doing it. All right, I think that wraps this episode up. So, or what did, what did we say? Boogers, boobs, and barn doors. Just don't be afraid to tell someone. Just say it, but just be clear and kind. As always, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you being a part of our Work BFF Mentoring Tribe and for listening and growing with us. And our movement grows by us supporting other women at work through our friendship and mentorship.
And you can subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. And we'd love it if you would drop us a comment on one of our social media platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram, the Mentoring Lab Podcast. And with that, we're BFF friends. Be safe, be positive, and tune in next week. 